When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Nintendo Dad's episode. Well, well, it doesn't really matter what episode, guys. It's the Retro Rewind, and we're retro rewinding one of the classic best games for the Super Nintendo. It's A Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Zach, cue the music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retro Rewind, brought to you by Nintendo Dads over at patreon.com slash Nintendo Dads. Uh, this is where we talk about uh, old games and stuff. Uh, we're talking about a really good old game today, uh, Link to the Past. And, of course, this is brought to you by Patreon. Patreons? Patreon? Patrons. Uh, patreon.com slash Nintendo Dads. Did I say that already? Uh, you guys make this happen. So thank you in advance. Joining me, as always, is uh, Justin Masson. What's going on, Justin? I am excited to talk about this game. Man, I am pumped for this game, and your music has got me more pumped up to do it as well. Uh, we need it. It's like almost midnight, so that's good. I like it. Um, oh, except that my phone turned off. That was good. Uh, how about we turn that back on? Where did my music go? <laughs> no, I need that music. Where'd it go? There we go. Uh, joining us as well is uh, Jesse Waldeck from VG Tribune. Where it's past midnight and almost one. Mm, and of course, too, with uh, the man from the south, Marty Estes. What's going on, Marty? How's it going? It's it's good. Uh, we're, of course, talking about... Here, let's just enjoy this again. Of course, ocremix.org. Uh, this is... Uh, the song is called The Path to Hyrule. OC Remix number 1970 by E-K-A-J. Oh, you know what? That's Jake Backwards. That's clever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> called him out on that one. Uh, so, so yeah, we're talking all about that. I'll just uh, fade this out here because that's awesome. Good, good music there. Uh, dudes, this is uh, a link to the past. We finally arrived. This is the third in the history of Retro Rewind. This is the third Retro Rewind that has been a Zelda game, correct? The very first one was a link, Link's Awakening. We did Zelda 2, and now we are here at A Link to the Past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and, of course, that is, we're on, you know, mere weeks away from Breath of the Wild coming out on the Switch. And uh, this has been a very, uh, for me, it's been Which a long time be a coming. a Retro Rewind game in 25 years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I would be, I, I feel like I'm going to be playing this game a lot. Or I'll be playing Breath of the Wild a lot um before then but uh before b what before 25 years from now that's that's really insightful zach uh so a link to the past i think first things first of course as we always do we kind of go around what is our history with this game and then we kind of talk about what our experience was this time with it uh and uh there's been a lot of excitement around our discussion of this game this time uh marty i want to start with you dude you uh you 100 percented this game this time i Wh did what is your history with this the, game like the first time to do it uh i first played a link to the past back at, when it was first released in 1991 uh i played it on the super nintendo and beat it the, it, this was in the days where you know if you wanted to cheat you know, or a ga game guide, you bought the book. Mm -hmm. I did not buy the book. And so I muddled through as best I could and beat the game as a fledgling teenager. And, but there were always things about it that bugged me that I didn't find, you know, that, that my it, I didn't get all of the items or I didn't have all of the hearts. And so this time when I went back through it, I actually played through it on the 3DS, and uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed being able to take it with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's beside the point. I played through on 3ds and actually played through with a gamefacts.com guide and got everything. Took me about a week. A week. 
that's actually not too bad. Yeah. Well, you know, and there were days that I played it. There were a couple of those days that I played it for multiple hours. Yeah. Nice. And so like, are you, are you at the point now where this is a, this is a familiar enough game that you're like, Oh yeah, this dungeon, I go here, then I go here, then I go here. Like, is that, uh, yeah, I did notice that there were some, uh, things that you can do as far as like what's outlined in the guide that I did, definitely did not do in that order. So it prolonged my time in the dungeons. Mm-hmm. And I think, I really think that's why I, I went so fast through it. It was because once I got in a dungeon, you know, I just followed the, the steps Here's Step A to step B to step C and you know, then you're done. You fight the boss and mm-hmm. that's it. I only died once the entire time. Wow. Playing through it. So I, I feel like I did pretty good. Mm-hmm. Right on. And so like, do you remember like when you had the game at the time, uh, what was that? Like, was this like a big important moment for you in gaming? What was that? Mm. Yeah. Um, because I hadn't really enjoyed a Zelda game since the first one. And I actually had never beaten a Zelda game because I got the, the legend of Zelda. I think right around the time I got my first, you know, the NES, I was eight or nine years old, so there there were just things that I could not do in that game. I actually didn't bite, beat the original Zelda until I was in college. So, um, and and I mean nobody's beaten Zelda too. So, <laughs> because yeah. this is so freaking hard. So no, I mean the only people who've beaten that are like people who cheat with Game Genies and stuff. So, uh, I I didn't do that. I did beat it with a Game Genie. So that's that's how I know. Uh, but this one was, I, there was, there was such a, a sense of anticipation. This is coming to the super Nintendo, you know, and it's, it's a return to the, to the top down Zelda formula and it looks awesome. And I don't know, you know, there was just so much hype. I remember around that time, even, you know, from game magazines and, and things like that. It was, it was the game, you know? And even then, I mean, I'm looking right here. Yeah, you know, I looked up the the date so I could be sure of when it was. That was released in, on on uh, the weekend before Black Friday in 1991. So Nintendo's been doing that that weekend release for a long time. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Nintendo likes that that calendar spot. Well, yeah, they want to they want to have that out for Christmas so they can push systems. Yeah. But if you, I will say this, Zach, to answer your question, I'm going to be done. Um, I can't say that when I bought this game or when I asked for, for this game for my parents to buy me or whatever, that I thought that it would eventually go on to become one of my top 10 video games of all time. Mm. But I do remember just having this sense of playing it the very first time going, Oh my God, Mm. this is awesome. Yeah. This, and it, it was just like, it you know, yeah, I mean, the Super Nintendo was was the pinnacle at that time, but it just it was almost like I realized there's something about this that's on a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I don't know if I've ever talked about the first real Zelda game that I ever played, I think, um, that it, that I think was Zelda similar opposed to fake Zelda games. Well, well, I guess the first Zelda esque game that in that sort of school of Zelda type games that I ever played was Final Fantasy Adventure, uh, which was very inspired by that. Or I don't know which one came first. Uh, pro- well, I, I would assume Zelda NES would would have come before that. But uh, so that was the first one I ever really played, which was which became the Mana series. Tales game, right? Uh, no, or, it's the Mana. It, it became the Mana, Mana game. Mana yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, I think on the GBA it was called Sword of Mana. So, uh, but yeah, so that was that was the first one I played. The first Zelda game I think I ever played was uh, I don't know what came out first, or Ocarina of Time or Oracle of Seasons. Probably Ocarina. O- Ocarina was first. Yeah. Uh, For those of us, uh, Ocarina was '96. The the GBA games were like. Or the two thousand or something like early two thousand. Yeah. For those of us who would break in and have here and have an um actually moment, uh Final Fantasy Adventure was actually released on June twenty eighth of nineteen ninety one and Zelda followed it in November. Oh see, okay. Well there you go. So it was actually it actually preceded Zelda. Thank you for mentioning that game, by the way. 
because Final Fantasy Adventure was one of my favorite Game Boy games of all time, and I had totally forgotten about it. Oh, dude, I actually there's a on our YouTube channel there's a couple of videos of me playing that game, like a let's play sort of thing that I started and then never finished or anything. But that dude, that game, the music in that game was awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was, but there's just the the emotion that they managed to get out of those old Game Boy sound chips were it was something else. But uh, but so the first 2D Zelda game that I ever played was Oracle of Seasons, and uh, it's different. Like it's not even developed by Nintendo; it was a Capcom game. But uh, I really like that. Uh, this was the first time I'd ever played Link to the Past. Uh, at least it's the farthest I ever got. I actually didn't complete it. Uh, full disclosure: I'm a in the last semester of a, a very challenging program. So uh, so sue me. But I did, I did play more than I have before. Um, and I, I want to say that it's a little bit challenging coming to this game, having already played a link between worlds on the 3ds. Uh, because I feel like, I feel like a, a lot of the feel is there. Like I'm kind of seeing, uh, where a link between worlds has its roots now, you know, and kind of seeing like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, everything's kind of more or less in the same area, uh, you know, like the same sort of locations are here, the deserts over in this corner and, you know, up in the, up at the top of the map, there's the, there's the mountain and the little towns over on the far left side and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, I, it's interesting. I, I, it's, it's just different coming back to it, having, having played a link between worlds first. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's it's cool though. I like it. it. I never really had any sort of exposure to the Zelda franchise uh, during the SNES era though, because I had a Genesis and was playing Fantasy Star Two instead. So, uh, uh, Justin, what about you, man? Yeah, this is a very interesting um, game for me. I I don't know if I've told the story. My very first uh, Zelda game was Twilight Princess. That was my very first uh, Zelda game that I had any any long-term exposure to. Um, so as it relates to A Link to the Past, I think I mentioned before, uh, when I was a kid, like playing on the SNES and growing up as a, as a young teenager, I'd always be like, oh, those stupid, uh, ge- you know, uh, top-down games. I hate those ones. I don't play those. Those are dumb. I'm a side-scrolling 2D platformer kind of person. So I never had played. I think uh, I would have hated uh, you as a child if that's what you sounded like. Probably. That's not too far <laughs> off. Where I had, where I had like friends who'd be playing, I was like, this is dumb, right? Like, show me some more Donkey Kong Country, you jerks, right? Uh, we're some Earthworm Jim. Um, so I, I did not play uh, this game. I knew of its existence. Um, watched my friends play it occasionally. I thought, oh, okay, well, that's, you know. Whatever, I'll I'll let it be. My first exposure playing a link um, a link to the past was actually when it came out on the um, Wii U uh, a couple of years ago on the Virtual Console. And for those of you that have been listening to Nintendo Dads for 115 episodes, would recall that it was actually one of the first games that I had been saying that I'd been playing um, during our "What Have You Been Playing" segments. And uh, I didn't get too far into it. I think I got as far as getting the Master Sword. Um, and that was that was about it, and kind of moved on to something shiny. So my exposure with uh, Link to the Past is very thin. However, uh, again, if you've been a longtime fan, the very first game that I picked up when I bought the Nintendo 3DS was a Link to the Past. Sorry, a Link Between Worlds. So my approach into this world was really actually so much of it, much like you, Zach, resonated from a Link Between Worlds. Um, and that was where so many things feel familiar and at home. And I loved a link between worlds is my, is like my favorite Zelda game that I've played. Um, so to come back to this and, and play it from its origins, I loved playing this game and it felt familiar. It felt comfortable, but also kind of antiquated in some of the mechanics and what you could do because you didn't have the same amount of levity that you could, um, in a link between worlds. Um, so yeah, this was, this was fantastic. I love playing it. I wish I could go back in time, slap my or shake the, you know, the 12 year old me and say, go pick up this game because I quintessentially (laughs) believe that this is in the top three or top five games 
for the Super Nintendo. I think this is one of the most perfect games I have ever played, uh, and I have absolutely loved and adored every moment with it. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I remember at the time, um, a friend of mine actually had this game, and I remember seeing it every once in a while. But there was something about this game that that was very self-serious, and mm-hmm. like it was very. But for some reason, because of I don't know if it's the art style or the music or what, but it um, if you didn't know that this was going to be something that was amazing, I feel like it was very, at least from from my experience, it was very easy to write off. You know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's not really for me. Let's, uh, you know, when I would go over to my friend's house, it was like, dude, we could either do this and I could watch you walk around some little village or we could play freaking Street Fighter 2. Like, come on, man. Let's yeah. let's play some Street Fighter instead. I don't want to watch you walk around. Um, and uh, it didn't it didn't uh, dis like it didn't demo very well, I guess. Right. Like it was like it was not nearly as exciting as some of the other games that were going on, especially in that era of, uh, you know, being a Sega kid like Sonic the Hedgehog, super exciting, fast paced, whatever. Like Zelda is a very plotting sort of game that if you don't know um, about it, then it's it's something that is uh, was at least for me kind of easy to, to overlook at the time. So uh, I don't know. Jesse, what about you, man? What have you been? Uh, what was your experience at the time? And then how was it now? I think I've pretty much bought this game every possible way. This thing, this game has ever been released. Yeah, you know, I, I originally had it on the super Nintendo, you know, it, well, which month in 91 did this come out, Marty? November, November 91. So that would have been like early. That was my, that was my senior year in high school. Uh, so, I, so I, I, I don't, I don't think I ever hundred percent of the game. Nice, Justin. Yeah, he, he, uh, he just uh, got his uh, Hyrule Historia book out. Wait, so I don't think I've ever hundred percented it, but I did beat I did beat it on the Super Nintendo, and then I remember, you know, I I, I had the, the the GBA version that kind of was paired with the Four Swords game. And I, I, I took that on trips, but I, I and I got halfway through it or so, but never finished it. And then, you know, Wii U, the Wii Virtual Console, I would pick it up and play it, and didn't get very far. And so, and then up until the then last year, I think I bought it on the 3DS when it was available, and I, I took it on a trip. And again, it didn't really get very far. <laughs> Quite about halfway through again, always getting stuck around the same time. So that this time through, you know, similar to Marty, I did play through it in about a week. You know, of course, it helps that I was on business travel that week, so I had a lot of, uh, you know, air- airport delay time. To, so I had a lot of time to kill. So I was able to pl- play the game with that, and. Uh, again, I didn't hundred percent it, but at least this time I did finish the game. But I, I did need to uh, hit a hit a walk through near the end to find you know certain an item here or an item there. I tried to do the dungeons as pure as possible. I think I might have needed to hit a walk through like once or twice, but it, so it, it did take me a little bit longer than Marty to go through the dungeons. <laughs> But, oh, I didn't care about the the purity of it. I wanted to finish it. I wanted to be able to talk about it. I wanted to. And oh, I, and, and I'm, I wanted to nothing wrong with that. And and no, and there's nothing wrong with the way you did it. But I, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for going through it with no guide as much as possible, and and you know, exploring that world. And because, okay, we look at that world now, and it's very restrictive, right? Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and we look at it and we go, oh, man, that is just, you know, it's tiny. But think back to what this was like when this but, came out on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, it was it was massive for its day. Definitely. And yeah. And of course, back back then, they didn't didn't have, you know, game facts or Internet like they had. We have now. And I, I don't remember. I don't think I bought like a strategy guide or anything, but I did have the Nintendo power. So 
I'd read through whatever artic- articles and hints they give every month there. Mm-hmm. Nice. So the closest to a game fax we had at the time. Right on. Very cool. So, Justin, do we have any, like, uh, any trivia about this game? Uh, I see you have, you're consulting your tome here. What, what, what wisdom can you bestow upon us about this game? Well, so I, I have, I pulled out the Hyrule Historia, uh, book and, you know, kind of decided to go through where is, you know, and again, this is always a question, where is any of this in the timeline? Um, and where a legend, uh, sorry, a link to the past follows within the timeline is actually what's known as the hero is defeated timeline as part of the Oracle of Time uh, series and the decline of Hyrule. So if this was the case, uh, this is the resurrection of Ganon and that these two, this game, a link to the past, would then kind of roll itself into Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons to then follow into Link's Awakening. Uh, so I think that's a very interesting uh, component uh, of it as well. Some other interesting pieces of tadbit, tidbits and information. The the shield uh, that that uh, Link uses uh, has a little bit of a kind of a, a bird figure on it, right? We've seen it very commonly uh, seen. It, it's very it's kind of red uh, now, but this was actually the first game that the that that image on his shield was actually introduced before this. It was just a cross actually on the shields. Right. Whereas in this game, they actually began to introduce kind of this weird bird. The bird has since adjusted and morphed into what we now more traditionally known as the, the kind of the red, um, the red bird that we've seen very much in a lot of the legend of Zelda content. But this is the first time that we actually saw that. And actually also the very first time that the Triforce emblem the three triangles was introduced on the shield. And of course that's played out, played out in various other degrees throughout the game, but it's the first time that idea um, is actually introduced. Um, that's the big thing right now. I'm going to grab some more content here, but uh, feel free to move on without me for a couple moments. Interesting. Very cool. So uh, by the way, do we have any emails about this? I guess we probably could have looked at this before. Email. Uh, we don't have any email. We don't have any emails, but you know what I got? I said uh, I, I put out some tweets and I said, "Hey, folks, let me know what is your thoughts on this game." And resoundingly, the amount of people or impressions, the amount of people said, "This is you know, this was such an important game in my childhood. This game was my favorite. This game struck a chord with me." Uh, was such a, a resounding response from folks. So I thought that was that was really interesting to hear, and I think. You know, as Marty talked about how much it defined a little bit of his of his kind of teenager years and playing it as well, what we heard from our audience is very much the same thing. And I think this game resonates with people. And I think actually even when we put this game out to vote, so many people voted on this game because I think this is such a, a touchstone and a hearkening to the series that it comes back to. So those were a couple of my comments. Let's see if I can find the direct tweets in a couple of moments as well. Very cool. Right on. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, I, I'm just looking up some of this, uh, awesome, you know, the history of the game here. What, so was it, where did this fall within the actual, um, like within the, the lifespan of the SNES? Like how Marty, this, where would you have, this, Oh, sorry, this go was ahead. relatively early. Actually, this was uh, 1991 was when it got its original release in Japan, uh, November of 1991. I believe it was uh, 1992 for, um, for. let me just see here. Super Nintendo released November 21st, 1991. I need to clarify whether that was Japan or um, North America. Uh, let me bear with me on that second. So relatively young in the life cycle of the, uh, the SNES. Hmm. Marty, are you able to confirm? I'm looking that up now. Um, I see 92. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking right here. Uh, the release right. date, yeah, of course, yeah. was 1991. November 91 was Japan. U.S. Yeah. was April 92. There it okay. is. Okay. You know, uh, so I was wrong about that earlier. Um, because, and you so, know, I was thinking about that which, when, which, I, when I was, which still when puts I was talking about November. Year. <laughs> when I was talking about November, I was thinking, you know, I got this when it was for some reason that like, I was like thinking I played this over the summer 
-hmm. You know, I, I played it over that summer leading up to going back to school. And I remember like you were saying, uh, that one of you guys was saying that, you know, you want to that you wanted to play like something fun and active and street fighter and things like that. You know, my friends, we would actually come over and we would try to help each other get through the dungeons. And oh, really? Because I mean, like, you know, your first three dungeons in this game, are, they're okay. You know, I mean, they're, they're not too bad, but those, those dark world dungeons, if you, if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> you know, especially, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking from the perspective of a 12 year old kid, you know, it can be kind of tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, yeah. And, and to uh, kind of answer your question, Justin, the Super Nintendo, the Super Famicom in Japan, the system itself released November of '90, so about so a, a year later, Zelda came out, and in North America it was August '91, so there was less than a year between North America Super Nintendo release and the game release. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's something about this. I mean, like, like thinking about where this game came from, right? Like, as far as like the history of this game, uh, what came before it? Uh, like, was there anything else that was even close? Like, they they were coming off of uh, what, like Link's Awakening, right? So they like they had the original Zelda, uh, and then and then Zelda two, and then coming back to Link's Awakening, and they're kind of realizing like, okay, well, what if we did this cool open world sort of thing like we did with the original, but we like really blow the hinges off of this thing and do everything that we can with it. Uh, that I think is really an interesting, um, it was a very cool take on it that I think really paid off. So, uh, the thing that I actually am remembering that was so again, having first been exposed to this, uh, this series with Ocarina of time and then, uh, Oracle of Seasons, I didn't realize that the Zoras were so weird in this game. Like, that really threw me for a loop, actually. Was, like, like to me, Zoras are, like, the blue fish people, right? Like, mm-hmm. in Ocarina of Time. And, like, this one, um, it actually looks like Breath of the Wild is maybe getting a little bit closer to this, maybe? I don't know. Like, it's weird. Uh, I think that's, I think that the the interpretation of the Zoras as far as what we see is in the first Zelda game and this is more of a creature of the Black Lagoon you know type yeah of it's fish like man type thing and uh, they went back to that yeah the original or, or they, were, they were sticking with it the 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 actual um, Zoras uh, which I guess eventually became you know the is it Prince this Rudo, they're not called the Rudos, are they? They're, 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 they're Zora. Okay, so yeah, that that evolution of that design actually happened in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, they were. That was where ADS, they changed. They were just just an just a, an aquatic enemy, and then they came back with in a link link to the past, both as an aquatic enemy, and then plus you found some friendly ones along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like like with the with the in Breath of the Wild, it looks like they're like shark people, but they're red this time for some reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're, I, I actually really like the design of the Zoras in the new one. Uh, they're looking. Yeah. Cool. I think they wanted to be careful not to get it too confusing with this, like the, the Splatoon characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. At some point you're, you're kind of wondering what's going on there between them. But yeah. But it's uh it's man, it's, it's cool. I like, I, I like the design. You're right though, Marty, like very creature from the black lagoon, sort of like a Lovecraftian deep ones or something like that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, like that sort of a design going with that, uh, which is really cool. I like that. So, um, so I, I went back and I found the tweet. So here are some actual fan responses, uh, for a link to the past. Mike, he Burgett says my favorite Zelda game when I got the uh, uh, when I got it the SNES for Christmas I got the one the game was packed with. Uh, Hamor says I had to wait until report cards came home before I could play it, but man did I read the hell out of that manual. <laughs> uh, Wesley I comments. Remember those days. A Link to the Past and Link's Awakening for me are in my mind the definitive Zelda experience every player 
should or every gamer should play them. Um, Hamar replies again with Link to the Past, uh, solidified the experience. Ocarina of Time it merely made the experience better. Um, uh, Grouchy Sergey uh, says, I wish I was able to play more time. This is pretty fun from what I played. Wish I had it portable. Game guys, this game portable is fantastic. I love that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it uh, is. Uh, Ryan mentions the sound in La Link to the Past was out was astonishing. From title screen to sloshing through puddles in the opening minutes, instant captivation. And then Johnny replies with best Zelda game in the franchise, and that's something said. I love that when I just remember popping that card into the Super Nintendo for the first time. I, I love so many people have talked about the sound and hearing that, you know, you know, as the Triforce is zooming in and it forms and then it hits and the sword slashes through it. And it's like, you know, it's every, all the music in this is very like nowhere is it not well suited to where you're at. You know, it's, it's in your face. And then the dungeon theme, it's subtle with that kind of like creeping baseline behind it, you know, and then the, like the boss fights are, you know, it's, it's, it's the appropriate, the music is appropriate for every situation. You know, it sets the mood well and it just, it does such a great job. And now the, you know, I mean, of course, now the graphics are dated. You, you go back and look at that, but man, back then that was that was uh, that was high caliber stuff. But, but, but you, still, but you six, know what? Six, I, sixteen bit sprite work still holds up. Versus yeah, oh, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying right. That, I, the argument I, would be for most people that it's dated today. Right, but you know what? I think yeah, and I I, I see your point there, Marty. But I think this is interesting because I think that although it's that sixteen bit art style, there's a there's an art style about it that creates it kind of standing a bit more on its own. It kind of reminds me at times just the art style they took with it. Um, and although I know it's forcing the 16 bit reminds me of um, Wind Waker, right? Wind Waker is a game that can stand up because it's not going for photorealism, but rather a, an arts artistic style. Breath of the Wild, very similar to that too. And, and I think it's even interesting when you look at a link but, and, and, we have to compare a link to the past to, to a link between worlds. When a link between worlds was rebuilt or done, they basically did that style, but just like, you know, cleaned it up, right? Tightened up, crisped it up a bit. I I, lo- I really do like the art style, even despite the fact that this game is over twenty five years old. Yeah, it's a uh, I don't I, it's it's interesting though. Like I I don't know. It's there's something about it that's always put me off from it, and I don't know what it is. Um, I. I, I don't understand. I don't know. And maybe it's the pink hair. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that has, uh, I don't know. I'll probably get hate mail for this, but it's, it's the art style has always been a little bit off putting to me. And I, I can't really explain it. Um, I don't know. Am I the only one? Like probably now that I say that, but yeah, it's uh, just you. Just see, you. Yeah. See, I, it's, <laughs> no, it's putting about- me off. I don't know what it is. And when Marty mentioned the music and especially that the opening sequence, uh, in the attract mode, um, the, in E3 2011, when they announced for the first time they were going to do the Zelda symphony, you know, and they, they played for like, you know, 10 minutes or so of various songs. You know, that, that attract mode song was one of the songs that they played and it sounded really cool fully orchestrated and i still use that a a snippet of that song as my alarm on my ipad to wake me up every morning (laughs) nice very cool uh so yeah i don't uh what else we got there just we got any more uh feedback from listeners here Looks like he snuck off for a minute. Oh, Justin's got, oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I bet I was not looking at the video. So I do have some interesting stuff here about the development, um, that we can kind of read through as well that I, I think that's always interesting. So in 1988 development of a new NES Zelda began, this is just straight from Wikipedia, but you know what? This is interesting stuff. Whoever does all of this stuff, by the way, you're amazing. Um, But one year later, the project was brought to Nintendo's next console, the Super Famicom in Japan, Super Nintendo Entertainment in other regions. Due to the success of previous titles in the series, 
Nintendo was able to invest a large budget and ample development time and resources into the game's production. At the time, most SNES games had 4 megabits or 512 kilobits of storage space. However, this game broke the trend and had double that, so it had a whopping 1 megabyte. 1 megabyte? Yeah. No, 1 megabit. 1 megabit. No, 8 megabits. Wow. Zach does math. Uh, One entire megabyte of storage. (laughs) Right, which was double what anything else had at the time, which, uh, there you go, uh, allowing Nintendo, the de- Nintendo development team to create a remarkably expansive world for Link to inhabit the entire megabyte. Um, like Super Mario World, this game used the simple graphic compression method on the SNES by limiting the color depth of many tiles to eight colors instead of the SNES's native 16 color tiles. That's interesting. Uh, the script of the game was written by series newcomer Kensuke Tanabe, uh, while Yoshiaki Koizumi was responsible for the background story explained in the instruction manual. Uh, was there a lot of difference there? Like, was a like? Do you guys remember that? Uh, I don't difference know. In what? In like when it was localized or anything like that? Probably not hmm. too much. I, I don't think so. The, it says here the most obvious change, uh, the most common change was the removal of religious references to conform of. Uh, with Nintendo of America's content guidelines, the most obvious change was made to the subtitle of the game, which was renamed from Triforce of the Gods to A Link to the Past. Uh, uh, so I do know there's just there's this really strange part in the very beginning. Well, it's not it's not strange. I mean, I, well, it may be to me, where you come out and you know you've rescued Zelda from the castle, right? And you're going through the sewers, and you come out and it's obviously a church. It's yep. called Sanctuary. Yeah. And they, the guy that, that you meet there, they refer to him as some really weird name so they don't have to use the word pastor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it is kind of like that. But, you know, I, I just want to stop here and I want to say this. I, the, the video game manual is a lost art. Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking at this as as we're talking, one, two, three, four, five, five pages of story yeah. in this manual. Yeah. That, that leads up to, like, it leads up to the moment that the game starts where it's like Link, wake up. And, you know, the telepathic communique from, from Zelda that he gets. I mean, it talks about... Agonium, and it talks about Ganon and the imprisoning war and all the stuff, stuff that you, it makes this game even better. I had forgotten about this stuff, you know, cause I don't have the manual anymore, mm-hmm. but man, I, I wish we got stuff like this again. You know what? Actually, I was, as you're saying that I, I actually have the physical version of shovel Knight, and, uh, that has a real manual. And it's awesome. Yeah, they they did a manual. Yeah, it's and so good. The guys at Yacht Club are class acts, though. So I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, yeah, no, it's so good. I have the 3DS version of that, like a cartridge version of that game, and it's uh, it's awesome. It's so good. So yeah, very cool. This, this manual, like I'm I'm scrolling through the manual right as we're as we're talking. This manual was 45 pages long. Holy cow! with everything from you know what the items that you could run across in the game i mean almost almost every item in the game is detailed and including the magic medallions um every type of um terrain you might encounter in dungeons all the way to the you know what does a key do yeah <laughs> to what are rupees? I mean, they, they did, you know, even some of the enemies that, you know, it's some really cool art mm-hmm. that, you know, you just, you don't get if you just download the digital version or you, you buy a game today where you're paying basically the same r- rate that you were paying back then, but without all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a little bit of this idea that like, uh, there was so much more like when you purchased a game, there was so much more of an experience around it in some context. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I used to remember, yeah, you'd pick up the game. We lived in uh, Calgary. Uh, sorry. We, we, we would do our shopping in Calgary. Cochrane is where I would live. 
was probably like a 45 minute to an hour drive. And I remember we'd buy like the video games in, in Calgary. I'd be in the car and I would open up the case and I would pull out that instruction manual. And for the next 45 minutes to an hour, I didn't say a damn word in that car mm-hmm. because I'm flipping through the manual and I'm reading every line about it. I'm looking at every enemy. I'm like, by the time you got home, you had pretty much got that thing locked in and it wouldn't be uncommon to maybe be playing and pausing. And like, you've tr- you've come into a new enemy. You're like, I don't know who that is. So you would literally pause your game, <laughs> flip through 12 pages of the manual and be like, Oh, that's what that is. And then you go back. I, I have and a like, very definitively change how you played, but you just knew more. I have a very vivid memory of reading the manual for the SNES version of final fantasy three, uh, in a Ponderosa steakhouse. <laughs> Because I'm, I was like you, you know, I, I grew up in a place where I would have to, to drive an hour to go to the nearest place to get video games. I mean, Walmart had them, but they're not going to have the new ones, you know, not back then. So, yeah, uh, I, I just remember getting Final Fantasy three and reading that manual at Ponderosa and reading it all the way home, you know, by the headlights of the cars that are behind us and then getting home and playing for three hours, you know, before passing out tired. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we do shows like, like this for retro rewind because it reminds us of how, how good the video game industry used to be. Not that it's bad now. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I think there's some things that's lost along the way. I think there's definitely practices and, and, and art like a, a good manual that are lost to on today's world because everything has to be digital or whatever, but man, you know, those, those times of riding in the backseat and reading those manuals. I mean, I can remember being a kid and taking the super Mario brothers two manual to school with me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, cause I wanted to, to try to draw the characters or I wanted to show a friend, you know, Oh, that's a shy guy, you know? Yeah. And, and this is, this one is absolutely fantastic. And I, I, now I'm, now I've got to go find, out if I can get a physical copy of this game in a box. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and that's and that's something there too, right? Like, and the, when box art meant something, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was that was because I mean that was that was the word the, your word of mouth of whether you bought a game was either you played it at a friend's place, or you maybe rented it, but like what made you decide to rent it was the box art probably, right? Because at this point, franchised games weren't established enough to really be like, oh, I'm going to pick up this game because I know what it was, right? Uh, and if you think about it, the Zelda before the Zelda two was such a challenging game that when this game came out, it was kind of like this, uh, weird weirdness to it. Right. And, and, and I think this game, and I shouldn't say suffers by it, but is also a byproduct of, you know, we talked about before super Mario two was so different than super Mario one Zelda two was so different than, than, uh, the first Zelda, but then the third iteration, um, started becoming like the definitive copy, right? And began to introduce more and more solidified ideas and Mm -hmm. approaches. Uh, And I think we saw that in in this game as well. Um, But yeah, it definitely makes you harken back to a different time of video game playing uh, when things felt a little bit more vested, I guess would be the word I'm going to use there. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, In looking for a box copy of this game, I also remembered that it came with a map of the, uh, of the overworld that yep. you could fold out and, and see. So now I've got to go Google that. <laughs> nice. Uh, it, you know, it's just little, little touches like that. Just mm-hmm. little, little things that help. <clears throat> it's kind of like, you know, and I think we've talked about this before star tropics, you know, having the, the letter that you had to submerge in water, you know, what other video game has done that? Yeah. What, yeah. you know, Nintendo, you know, even like when Zach, when you were over playing fantasy star two on the, on the Genesis, did they give you a pack in map? Oh dude, no, you should see the manual they they gave in that, that, that manual that they packed in for fantasy star two, they packed in a guide that is, I, I should show you this because it, I'll see if I can find like a PDF of it because it was probably a hundred. It was actually bound. Like it was not like this oh kind of gosh. manual that's stapled. Um, the clue book. See if I can find it here. Uh, Fantasy Star official hint book. 
was uh, was nuts. It was. Uh, <laughs> it is like the epitome of of all of this, uh, of what we're talking about here. I'll see if I can find it. Um, I dropped that map uh, into the chat that we're attached mm. to Skype here. And, it, and I love it because it doesn't give too much away, but it at least lets you see, you know, you've got several places to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that map is, you know, like I said earlier, you know, what was it? One megabit or one megabyte. I mean, hey, look, that's what you get for that. Yeah. So here's a here's the uh, I put it in our Skype chat here. Uh, a link to the PDF of this of this guide to Fantasy Star 2 that was enormous. It was I let's see if <laughs> it's okay, like this is actually 32 uh, 115 pages. 115 page guide. And if you look at some of the if you look at some of the uh the maps, like even very early on in the game, you'll see why they did that because like if you go to even like page, where are we? Like on page 10, you start getting into like the very first dungeon that you've got here. And it's got mm-hmm. like four levels of all these different maps and like. At mostly the same shape. Yeah. It's like just a bunch of squares and like, yeah, you go in this entrance and you come out this one and it's, it's nutty. So it's just literally a bo- a book full of maps. Right. Um, but it's. Yeah, it was crazy. But you're right. The art of the of the guidebook slash manual. I think there are still there are still guidebooks out there. This came with the freaking thing, because I think probably because in Japan, uh, this was maybe something that was enjoyable or maybe something that they got away with. I don't know which one. Probably they just got away with it more. Uh, but they, you know, here it was like nobody's gonna buy this if like if it's impossible to play. And so they had to make stuff like this um, for it to work. But uh, yeah, man, you're right though. the The art of the video game, uh, the video game manual is is crazy. Uh, it, it's it's not there anymore. It's sad. Like Earthbound is another really good example, right? We talked about Earthbound. Uh, we did that last year on Retro Rewind, and uh, the manual that that came with that, or the or you know the guide. Um, I wish that I had some of those old ones because it was very cool. So, um, yeah. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet, guys? Like I'm kind of thinking what, uh, if there's anything else. Typically we talk about where we want the series to go next. And I, right. I, I think this, I want the series to go three weeks in the future from now. Yep. Uh, where I'm playing <laughs> Breath of the Wild and that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's exactly what um, I want. That's that's just what I want right now. So I don't really like. Typically, we like we like to think about it. I would, you know, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I would love to see um, another a link between dot 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 uh, series or a game developed. Would you right? want that on uh, the like on the Switch? Like I like, want that on the Switch. What does a Switch? 3DS? What does a game like that look like on the Switch? Like I think you know. Let let's think about that. Like, is it? Does it become like a new Super Mario Brothers type thing where it's like, uh, you know, like new A Link to the Past, A Link to the New Past? I don't know. <laughs> I don't you know, know exactly I mean? how it works. Or like, like the, Mac- the, MacGuff- the MacGuffin for um, uh, was obviously the 3D for when it was on the 3DS, right? And kind of the turning of the paint and those kind of angles, right? I don't know. But I mean, like, I just, I just love going back to that world. Yeah. So... I wonder, I wonder again, if it would be interesting, if it would be possible for them to do like a Zelda maker or something like, I know we talked about that when, when Mario maker came out. Um, I think that we're probably going to see Mario maker come first to the switch if it comes at all. Um, but I, I can't imagine Zelda makers on a whole nother level. I mean, you, you're, you're talking there about creating an entire, you're not, not just a stage, but I mean, think about how incomplete it would be if you, if you could only create an overworld map or you could only create a dungeon. I would imagine it'd probably just be a dungeon. Hey, like that's, that's what I would think possibly, but even then you're right though. Like that would be, that would be really difficult to do. You've got to, you've got to come up with your own puzzles. And I get that some people have come up with some extremely, extremely clever things in Mario maker, but you know, in thinking about your questions, Zach, there's not many times that I've been that I can say in gaming 
very, very rarely with series that I can say, man, I loved this game so much. And then they gave me a sequel to it. That's, that was, you know, equally good. Yeah. And that's really what we got in the link to the past and a link between worlds. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily sure I would want this to go to the, another system and kind of quote unquote, grow up, you know, and become like a 3d Zelda and have it be called a link between whatever. Um, <clears throat> I think that top down perspective works well and work and continue to work well in link between worlds. But, uh, I, I think as it stands right now, you know, I'm satisfied if they want to be done with that, I'm satisfied with what we've got because I think breath of the wild is going to be so amazing that, uh, and it's going to be so expansive that we're going to be on that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to be a game we finish in a week. True. I, I just I just think and I'm I'm thinking about like comments that even uh people like Aonuma have made about the uh about those smaller Zelda games, like the handheld Zelda games and how there's always going to be a place for them and yes, of course, Breath of the Wild is coming and it's this great thing, but it's also a development it's a beast for as far as development goes. And the the amount of development that's required for something like uh, a link between world or a, yeah, a link between worlds or like Triforce Heroes, something like that. I don't think that just because the Switch is you know in this in this world where the Switch is successful and uh, the development platforms are all it's just one single development platform. Uh, I don't see that 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 require that that means that that those smaller Zelda experiences go away. And that's what a link between worlds was. Right. Like it is, yeah. it was not a huge open world game. It wasn't uh, a sequel between uh, Skyward Sword. Like it was, it, it came out after Skyward Sword, but it was almost its own thing. And so now we have sort of the 2D top down Zelda games uh, that went from like Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks to A Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes. And like, I think that that line of games, uh, A, I think it, it, relies heavily and and owes a great deal of debt to a link to the past and i think that it could continue moving forward i think that it would be worthwhile to keep that moving forward even if even in a world where breath of the wild exists so yeah and i and i agree with you zach i mean especially when you consider the fact that that nintendo is leading the switch release with the breath of the wild right yeah. let's presume Ellis, uh, we've talked about before, the Switch has like a six-year life cycle potentially, right? You're going to tell me that after the Breath of the Wild, we're not going to see any other Zelda game on that system? There's no way, dude. <laughs> no way, right? We are going to get another. Now, it's not going to be to the depth of Breath of the Wild, but I think more of a micro game like um, A Link Between fill-in-the-blank here yeah. um, would definitely not be uncommon. And I think when you, the fact is that you've brought both development of, of home console and handheld console um games into one house that's that that's the i i think i think you're definitely gonna see it. i think you probably see it in like a year four i'd say even probably a year three really like i i don't think yeah. that i don't think that that nintendo is ever happy with longer than a two-year span between some sort of zelda release like it's just yeah like it's i mean whether it's like hyrule warriors or I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Hyrule Warriors 2 again, by the way. Like, given given the fact that we've got Fire Emblem Warriors coming, I have a feeling that that Warriors line is going to continue into the future as well. Especially we're, since we're, now they're going to have that, they're, they're already going to have that Fire Emblem engine, right? The, yeah. the Fire Emblem Warriors engine. They'll just keep pumping those out. They're going to have Mario Warriors, Mushroom I'm Kingdom Warriors. I'm excited to see Donkey Kong Warriors. Donkey Kong Warriors. I, I'm telling you right now that I would play both of those games. Oh yeah, dude! I'm telling you, I would. I would totally do it. I would totally play that. Uh, you got a someone... game where Mario's charging through a horde of Koopas, like doing backflips and s- s- ground pounds, and they're going flying, and he's picking up their shells and throwing them around. Yes. Oh my gosh, there, dude! If there, if there are any artists out there, maybe maybe in our community, Calo, I'm looking at you. I'd love to see a sketch of a Donkey Kong Warriors game. You know, how about this? How about we just do Super Smash Warriors, and then. And then just do the the entire cast of Nintendo in different things. Oh my gosh, that'd be that'd be insane. Then you could have like their planet. They're fighting on like planet Zebus, and they're on like in Hyrule, and like 
you know, just the, the, the classic sort of, oh, here's a combination of all the worlds crashing together. You just do that again. But it's in Smash Brothers this time. Uh, uh, Team Ninja, Tecmo Koei, just get on it. I want it now. Uh, but yeah, that's that's Link to the Past, gentlemen. Uh, I think that that any any parting words as we as we bid this classic adieu. I think that that I think that we've we've done it well. Uh, so Breath of the Wild is fourteen thousand times the size of this. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sweet. So uh, much for a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh man, a hundred percenting this game is going to be uh, a breath of. Uh, a breath of the the past uh it's late uh a breath of the wild that's what i was looking for uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be so good dude i'm so excited uh all right everybody well thanks for listening to this uh this month's episode of retro rewind if you want to be following uh, if you want to be playing this next month uh retro rewind double dragon uh and we we're kind of saying that it's it, bro time it's bro, bro time it's bro time by the way um if you're playing on the nes classic it's actually double dragon 2 but they're short enough that you will probably end up talking about both um i noticed during my stream today double uh, of double dragon 2 when i was playing it uh the main dude looks like eugene from the walking dead uh, you won't be able to unsee it. He's got a mullet. <laughs> He's kind of a chunky guy. Like it's so funny. Like it's um, it's so weird. He, it's totally Eugene from The Walking Dead. So, uh, that yeah, enjoy that. So that I that is a weird game too. The the controls in that were like I'd never really played it, and to have A and B be like directional attack buttons was mm-hmm. super weird to get used to. Uh, I'm still getting used to the controls, but that's a fun game. And, uh, it's actually the most accessible one out of the series because is it? you've got double, double dragon one, which I'm trying to play through right now, which gives you three lives and that's it. Oh. No continues. And then I also, um, hacked my NES classic and put double dragon three on it and you get one life. What? No continues. No, this one's good. Really? This one, you've got like a health bar and like, do you have a health bar yeah. list or? You got a health bar, but you're not you're not filling it back up. Yeah, I mean it's it one life. Yeah, so I was I made it to level two, and it was like, well, sorry, game over. Bonus points if you watch Double Dragon the movie before next Retro Rewind. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> uh, that'll that'll really get you excited. So of course, uh head over there and of course again huge thanks to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash nintendo dads uh you guys make this possible so please uh you know all of our we've got a lot of new listeners if you guys are uh interested in supporting us uh you know even a dollar a month is is huge for us uh and and helps to make content like this happen uh and we've got some new goals and stuff going up here in the in the near future as well so uh absolutely thank you to everybody especially to uh tim sheldon and dave our Patreon producers, you guys are amazing. So keep up being awesome. Uh, right on. And uh, as well, if you want to follow us on all the social medias, stuff like that, you can do so on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Nintendo Dads. You can email us, nintendodads at gmail.com. If you want to watch us play some games and we got reviews and unboxings, all that kind of stuff, head over to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash C slash Nintendo Dads. If you want to call in and leave us a voicemail, 929-25-NDADS, 929-256-3237. All else I'm going to say is uh, if you want to change the world, absolutely go over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. Written reviews are even better. And if you want to subscribe and follow us, you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and, of course, VGTribune.com. For me, for Justin, for Jesse, and for Marty, we'll see you next month. Bye-bye.
Thank you.